and the Bible says that he came to bear our burdens. Did you realize that the scripture and the way the scripture is is written that when he said that he would, you know, uh, when we pray for our infirmities, our sicknesses, our afflictions, the Bible says that when it happens, he lifts them from us. That Hebrew word, na-sah. N-A-S-A-H. Na-sah. And you notice that we have a space program by the name of NASA. Yeah. Of course, that has its meaning, but you know what that you know what that is? Because that's where all the space shuttles are lifted up. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's let God lift up all yeah. our infirmities. Right. Lift them up off of us. So let's all stand and we'll pray. And thank you all for being here today. Uh, Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. Lord, for this great salvation, for your goodness, your faithfulness, your mercies, your truth, O oh God, your loving kindness unto us. God, as we're gathered here together in your holy name, we acknowledge your presence, O oh God, and we ask you, Lord, that you administer unto us in this place, O oh God, and open up our ears that we may hear. In our eyes that we may see, Lord, in our hearts that we can be converted unto you. And Lord, I pray that you administer unto us, O God. Amen, Lord. Give us understanding, Lord. Amen. Lead us and guide us, Lord, into all truth. And I pray, Father, that you bless your people. Lord, you know their needs, O God. We pray, especially pray for those, Lord, who are sick, O Lord. Amen, God. We pray that your hand will be upon them, Lord, that your healing virtue, O God. Amen, Lord, with quicken, Lord, with strengthen and make whole, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, we thank you for that promise, that by your stripes we are healed. And Father, we pray that you would bind us together, that we can be of one mind and of one spirit, in one accord, in one place together, in this, amen, in this evening, Father. Bless your people, God. Go before us, O Lord, and because we give you the praise and the glory and the honor, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let it be done, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Thank you very much. You may be seated. I want to turn your attention this morning to the book of uh, Colossians chapter 1. You want to turn there in your Bibles? Several things. Several things that uh, the Lord has been dealing with my heart about concerning the church. And uh, so we want to be able to address them. And Lord willing, impart some understanding what it really is to be a child of God. A lot of people don't understand what it is. It's more than just a confession. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yes. There's so many that profess mm -hmm. and confess to be Christians, but, amen, they don't understand really what, what that is. And so... 
when we look in the scriptures as we are this morning in first uh, in Colossians chapter 1 in, in the first chapter of Colossians and we'll start with verse number 25 whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations but now is made manifest to his saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Beautiful words. Beautiful words. You think about, as I said, what it means to be a child of God, a Christian. A Christian. And... The word here, where Paul talks about in in Galatians, I mean in Colossians 27, when he talks about Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's it's something to be able to really understand what he's speaking here to understand what it is, especially us who are who are. Uh, Amen. Gentiles by nature. We're not Jews. We're Gentiles because we're of other, another nation. But obviously, God has allowed us to be able to come into His covenant promises, and uh, so that we can be inheritors of those promises, and inheritors of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, there's something that is really important for us to to understand here when He's talking about Christ in you, the hope of glory. So just to be able to kind of break it down for you and, and when you look at the scripture and you look at certain uh, words that are used in the scripture, especially in this text right here in 27 when he talks about Christ and you, the hope of glory. He's, the English translation of, is of the Greek word Christos. Christos. And the definition or meaning of Christos is this. It means anointed anointed so that was an epitaph of Jesus Christ so when you put together everything that we understand about the Lord Jesus Christ Lord Jesus Christ even his in his name alone in his title alone Lord Jesus Christ we understand who he is yes amen. Lord meaning the Father Jesus meaning the Son, right. Christ meaning the Holy Ghost, right. mm -hmm. Amen. And, and all these three are one. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Lord Jesus Christ. So yes. when when we when we talk about you know what was written in the New Testament as far as the uh, instructions given to uh, the, his disciples, and and so we understand basically what that is. They understood what what it meant, but when we talk about the term. Christ or the word Christos 
anointed. Anointed. And, of course, Jesus is referred to as the Messiah. Okay? So, when we take a look at, at these terms that are used in the scripture, and of course they're, they're uh, obviously taken from the Old Testament too as far as the New Testament, and that's where they have derived this term from. In the Old Testament, he's called, uh, he's called the Messiah. And the Hebrew word translated from Messiah, the English is the Hebrew word Mashiach. Mashiach means this. It means anointed. Anointed one or the anointer. And usually it's a person who is a consecrated person. Obviously, you read the scripture and you see all those who were consecrated uh, for a certain position or office. They were kings, priests, and of course, God's people, saints. That's where we derive that word saint from. It's because of what God has made us through the working of His Spirit. Amen. Amen. Is that understandable? Yes. Amen. Amen. So it's really, it's, it's something that uh, when we realize this term of being uh, of Christ and being called Christians, why is that really necessary to understand this? Why is it really necessary to understand the process that God has given to us as far as becoming the children of God, becoming uh, Christians? Because that's who we call ourselves, Christians. I'm, I'm a Christian. Right. I'm not Christian in name only. Right, right, amen. <laughs> Just because I, I, I say I'm a Christian, it's like what they're using in politics right now they're right. saying rhinos and dinos mm -hmm. republicans in name only in other words they're, they're they're in name only but they don't really believe right what the republicans what they're all about or even the democrats yep. democrats in name only right. amen you just they just call themselves that they just refer right. themselves they just want to belong to a group of of, of people see right. and that's the way it is with christians just because you say you are a christian doesn't make you a Christian. So how do we go through that process? Why is it necessary for us to understand this? Because of who we are without God. Amen. So think about this. Go with me to Romans chapter 3. And you'll see here, <clears throat> Paul is talking about this, and of course Paul's just trying to set forth a, a statement of truth, and he's talking about man, the nature of man, and you read everything up to that point in verse number 23 in chapter 3, look what he says, he's describing man in the preceding scripture verses, but look what he says in verse number 23. He says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory 
of God. Amen. So that is just basically in a nutshell the description of mankind. All of mankind have sin and they have come short of the glory of God. So when you when you take a look at what he's saying, uh, he's referencing he's referencing Psalm 14. If you want to go there, we'll just visit that passage of scripture, if you please. Psalm 14, and he's this is what this is the scripture verse he's referencing, of course, uh, and that's where he's getting his uh, amen his understanding from. So in Psalm 14, look what it says here. It's a short chapter. It's got seven verses. But look what he says. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now look what it says. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. Pay attention to what he's saying. There is none that doeth good. Wow. What a description of man. Of humanity. And, and you see that. And, and you go down and, and you go down to uh, uh, <clears throat> the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. So look what he says. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So Paul was referencing this particular passage in, in, in the book of Romans when he was speaking about that. He said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Come short of God's glory. So what does that mean? Well, if we, when, when he's talking about coming short of God's glory, that's what sin will do to us. Remember, he said they're all corrupt. Something took place in the Garden of Eden. There God put Adam and Eve. He put man and woman in paradise. A perfect environment. An environment that was undefiled. Amen. Amen. In an environment that had so much opportunity and potential for a beautiful relationship with their creator. It was an environment that did not know death. It was an environment that did not know violence. It was an environment that did not know sickness or any kind of adversity. It was a perfect environment where there was life, love, peace, joy. Wow. But what happened? Well, here comes the serpent that we know as Satan. Of course, Satan means adversary. He's the adversary. He's our adversary. Let me, let me tell you something this morning. As a people of God, we know that he's our adversary. But did you realize this? Before we even knew God, he was our adversary. Right. Mm-hmm. Amen. Why, why, why was that? Because he didn't want us to be able to have that relationship with God. Amen. And know God. So he was that adversary. He he kept you from knowing God and he kept you from knowing the truth. 
But thank God for the gospel. One day the gospel came. One day it was preached to us. And we heard the truth. Praise God. So here we see this. So when sin came into the picture, sin came. So when we understand what sin really is, sin means this, we, we go beyond the boundaries that God has set for us. We trespass. That's what sin is. You go beyond those boundaries. God wants, wanted mankind to stay in a certain state of being. But what happened? Satan came and lied and said, this is what would, be, this is what would happen to you. If you eat of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Eve believed what Satan said, so she disobeyed God's <clears throat> commandment, and she ate of the fruit of that tree, and then she gave it to her husband, and you know what the Bible says? Their eyes were open, yep. and they were ashamed. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they lost their innocence. Right. So when sin came in, what did it do? It defiled not just Adam and Eve. It's interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah, you ever notice, and I've, I've read the scripture long enough to, under, to kind of notice certain things about the way the Bible's written. And uh, <clears throat> you notice that sin just needs a little open door. Mm -hmm. When you open it up, what's going to happen? Like it did back then, you know what it did? It corrupted mm -hmm. Adam and Eve, their mind, their spirit, their heart. So when it corrupted their being, it also began to move. And because it corrupted their being, it corrupted the environment around them. Mm -hmm. And so their environment around them become corrupt. And, mm -hmm. and, and as many people say, as far as Hebrew scholars say, that when they, when they allowed sin to come into their life, guess what happened? It changed the whole nature mm -hmm. of things in them and around them. Mm -hmm. It corrupted them. Right. They became sinful. Mm -hmm. So what did God have to do? Of course, you read the story, they had to be evicted out of paradise. And so that began, that began, amen, the effect of sin in the world. It, not, it began with Adam and Eve, and pretty soon it just spread throughout the whole world. Mm -hmm. and that's why Paul said in uh, Romans 5, he said that, because of one man's sin, mm -hmm. because of one man's disobedience, mm -hmm. we're all sinful. Amen. We've been all corrupted by Amen. sin. So the reason why I'm saying this is this. Remember what he said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Come short of God's dignity and God's honor. Praise God. So we, so we see this, and then David wrote this in Psalms 51 5. He said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So we were born into sin. Sin, and I say it this way, infected mankind. Amen. Remember, I'm still talking about the anointing. Mm -hmm. Because look what happened. There's consequences. There's consequences to living in sin. There is. We think that we're going to be fine. No, one day it's going to catch up with you. Right. Right. Amen. It's going to catch up with you. Because 
Paul said, for the wages of sin is death. That's why we were all uh, subject to die one day. Did you realize that when Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, guess what happened? They had the potential to live eternally. Wow. But here comes sin, and what did the Lord say? The day you eat of that tree, you're going to die. You're going to surely die. Did they die physically? No. They died spiritually. They were separated from God. They didn't have a, amen, a relationship with God anymore because of sin. They were evicted. Why? Because they became sinful. They were corrupted. So they died spiritually, but eventually, guess what? Their lives, they, they were dying a slow death. They were aging. Did you know that age is death? So they were, they were dying slowly. So eventually, one day, when, you, when you're dead spiritually, there's going to be a day that you're going to die physically. That's the second death. Well, you, you die spiritually, and you die physically, then pretty soon it's going to lead to the second death. You're going to die eternally. Right. Amen. Can you imagine that? A world without death? Yes. Wow. <laughs> no, I can't. That's, that's, what God, that's what God gave to mankind. But guess what? Of course, look what happens. So as a result... When we live in sin, there is really no hope for us. We come short of God's glory. I mentioned this uh, a week ago. All of us in here were, were consisted of a human spirit. And then our soul and our body. That's our physical being. That's our spiritual being. And that's our emotional being. Spirit, soul, body. The soul is, is made up of our five senses governed by our mind. That's the soul. And, and housed in this area of our being are all our emotions. So God made us a, a creature that we can feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We can engage in certain emotions. We can be happy. Mm -hmm. We can be sad. Mm -hmm. So many you know, emotions that we can experience. So, so we're, we're susceptible to a lot of things. But guess what? We're still human nature. Mm -hmm. We're still flesh. Amen. Even flesh that maybe thinks it's at its best can never attain to God's righteousness. Amen. Why? Because we're flesh. Right. Praise God. Amen. Am I making any sense? Yes. Amen. So here we, here we see this. Mankind, we, while we are in the state of sin, while we're living in sin, we cannot attain to the righteousness of God. So what do we need? Of course, we need salvation. Yes. Mm -hmm. Need to be saved. Mm -hmm. I received the Holy Ghost in 1982. And uh, even though I received the Holy Ghost in 1982, from that day on up until now, I still need to be saved. Mm -hmm. All right. Amen. 
I'm not saved yet. So I still need the Holy Ghost in my life to be saved. It's not a one-time experience and then we can, you know, once we experience it and we say, that's good, it's good, then we're saved. No, it's not. You know why? Because you can, you could, amen, walk away from God and go the opposite direction and not heed to or yield to the Holy Ghost. So that's why it's important for us. So what did, what did God do in order for us to become saved? Of course, He made His covenant with His people, but this was a covenant that He made with us. So this is what happened. You go over into the book of Hebrews chapter 2, and uh, we'll take a look at what the Scripture says here in, in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, uh, For as much then... I'll let you get there. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That's in verse number 14. Did I give you a verse? For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Jesus. Mm -hmm. So because the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's you and I. Mm -hmm. He also took part of the same. Did you realize this? Jesus, of course we know who Jesus is. Peter recognized him, and Peter said, when he said, whom do men say that I am? So they were giving him, him their answers, and he says, whom do you say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Now look what he said, thou art the Christ. The Son of the Living God. In other words, he said, You're the anointed one. Yes. They, they derived that word from the Old Testament, Mashiach, where we get Messiah. You're the anointed one. Okay? Anointed. The, the flesh of the Living God. Wow. Amen. So he understood. He understood who Jesus was. Obviously, he received that understanding. So he tells Jesus, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So we see this. We see that the scripture says that for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the, the devil. And you go down to verse number 17. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So, amen, it behooved him to be made like unto 
his brethren. So in other words, guess what he did? He became flesh. Amen. He became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only gotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we see, amen, that the scripture says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So here was this. He came, he was born into this world, into this economy. He became a human being. Amen. God became a human being. That's right. Amen. So why is that so significant? Well, you think about it. God became a human being. So when we when we look at the word, when we talk about him being the Christ, the anointed one, we understand this for the whole reason. I, I like what the Bible says. I like what uh, the, the writer of Hebrews said when he was talking about him in verse 18 of that scripture. I just uh, quoted to you, verse 17. Look what he says in verse 18. In that he himself hath suffered being tempted. He is able to succor them that are tempted. In other words, he himself knew what it was like to be tempted. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he was without sin. So he knew what it was like to experience the temptations all of us human beings experience. He knew what it was like to go through all the different, amen, the, the pressures and adversity and afflictions that we all go through. Praise God. Amen. So that he can become a faithful, a faithful priest, and that he could, he could, he's able to succor them that are tempted. Over, he's able to come and help and give you aid. God knows. So that's the reason why he did that. He he wanted to know what it was like to experience what it was human nature was in all its different. how, how would I say, uh, exposures to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. In other words, he experienced the good and he experienced the bad. Mm-hmm. Amen. So here we see, here we see this, so that's the reason why he came, but the difference is this. You know, a lot of people always say this. I've heard, I even heard preachers say this. Well, the reason why, the reason why the Lord was able to overcome Satan because he was God in the flesh. <laughs> so that's the reason why. Well, if he became flesh, he was exposed to all the elements that we are exposed to. Amen. All the ups and downs. Amen. He was exposed to it. Trial, temptation, as I said, adversity, sickness, you name it. Even being depressed and oppressed, feeling frustrated, mm-hmm. amen, feeling alone, mm-hmm. all those things that you and I go through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He experienced it all. He, he went through it all. So it wasn't just because he was God in the flesh. It was because he had to 
amen, subject themselves to everything that you and I are subjected to in this world. Amen. amen. He had a human will. Amen. 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 We all have a human will. Yes. Amen. We all choose what we want to do. Amen. We all, in a sense, think we're in control of our own lives. <laughs> Which we aren't. <laughs> So he had to, he understood what human will was like. Human will, he had to experience. But guess what? When temptation came, what did he do? He overcame it by the word. He overcame it by the word. Amen. He surrendered his will to God's will. Because God's word is his will. Amen. So he surrendered it to God's will. So you think about that. So, so I'm, just, I'm just drawing you a picture of, of human nature and how, how God came and God, amen, dwelt among us. He was subject to all that. Uh, here's a good, uh, uh, go with me uh, to the book of uh, Ezekiel chapter 16. And <clears throat> let's see. If if you if you uh, read this, and of course this is just the Lord kind of given a uh, how would you say a summary of Israel, His people, and He was just. In a sense, he was just kind of portraying how it was that he came came across them, and how it was that he reached out to them. You can read that in this, in, in chapter sixteen. You start with the verse number one. You can read all the way up to verse nine, and and go past or just a few verses. But look what he says when he when he was describing to Israel their situation and how they appeared to him. Look what he says in verse number nine. He said. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. So what did he do? He seen her in her uncleanness. Why do you think that he said, I washed, I washed thee? With water. I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee. I washed away thy blood from thee. Sin. Sin. Our blood is on our in our hands. But guess what? While we're living in sin, we're unclean. That's, that's the work of sin. Nothing good about sin. Nothing good about it. Let me repeat. There's nothing good about sin. Amen. We're so used to walking in sin, we're not even aware of it. We're so used to it. But did you realize you pollute yourself? Your blood is on your own hands. And did you realize, not just your blood, but the blood of others. Yeah. Right. Amen. 
When you cause somebody else to do what you're doing, or when you influence somebody else, when you persuade somebody else to do what you're doing, their blood is on your hands. You're unclean. Woo. So that's why he said that. That's why he said, Then washed I thee with water, yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. In other words, after I washed away your filth, I anointed you. I anointed you. So think about that. And and you read about you read about Jesus and what, what he came to do. Of course, he was the anointed one. He was Jesus Christ. He was called the Messiah. He was the anointed one. You know what he was? Literally this. I'll just make it simple for you. Literally this. If you want to bring out the scriptures and and, and interpret what, what the Bible says about this, Jesus Christ. Jesus the anointed. Jesus, the anointer. That his, that's his epitaph. That's what they understood him to be. That's why Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, the flesh of the living God. So basically, what was he? He was anointed flesh. Amen. Amen. So think about that. Of course, there's... Scriptures that kind of, in a sense, speak of him prophetically. You go back into Psalms 45 and verse number 7. And this is this prophetic utterance by David concerning, amen, Jesus Christ. He said, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? What do you think was really the significance of the man Jesus? Remember, he was a human being, <laughs> just like you and I. He overcame. Yeah, well, he, yes, he overcame. But what was the significance about him? What are we talking about? What what's the thing that we're we're He's his anointing. He was anointed. He was anointed. He had that anointing on him. That was the that was really what made him so amen, so special and so significant was because he was the Messiah. He was Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. He was anointed. You go back and uh, you can you can read in, in uh, certain passages of scripture about even in the priesthood how they took and they anointed Aaron and his sons. They anointed them, they prepared them for the ministry, and they had them put their garments on, and they anointed them with their garments, and they poured that oil of anointing upon them. Of course, we what we do is, you know, we. This is, this is what they used. They used uh, olive oil, mm -hmm. virgin olive oil. Mm -hmm. and, and this is what they used. But, you know, we, when people come up here for prayer and we, we anoint him, we open it up, we, 
little dab on our finger. We put it on their head because that's what the Bible says to do, to anoint them. Yeah. We're anointing them. Right. We're doing what the Word says. But you realize this, that when they were anointed, when, when the high priest was anointed, when the king was anointed, they didn't, the prophets didn't walk up to them and open up a little bottle of amen, <laughs> olive oil like we do and you know, put a dab on their finger and put it on the forehead. They didn't do that. You know, when they anointed them, they poured, according to the scripture, they poured an equivalent of three quarts of oil on their head. That's a lot of oil, isn't it? Sure it is. Yep. And the Bible says it ran down the beard of Aaron. Yep. So in other words, they were heavily anointed. But what does that mean? That meant that they were going to be anointed for the service of God. Alright? They were going to be anointed to fulfill the work of God. They were going to be anointed to minister for God. They were heavily anointed. So here it is. And of course now... We, we hear the prophecy about Jesus, I will anoint thee with the oil of gladness above thy fowls. Now what does that mean? You're going to be so heavily anointed Amen. above your fowls. Amen. Wow. Amen. Okay? I'm still talking about what it is to be a Christian. You read that in... You read that in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse number 38. How uh, the Bible says, uh, I'll let you get there. How uh, the Bible says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with, the, with power. So he anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So that was the significance of Jesus was he was anointed. Guess what, saints? None of you are, none of us on our own can do what Jesus has done. Nicodemus went to him and said, We know that our teacher come from God because nobody can do these miracles that thou doest unless God is with him. So they understood, they recognized that there was something significant about this man, Jesus, and that was because he was anointed with the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. That's why he was able to pray. And that's why there were, amen, healing, miracles, deliverance. Mm -hmm. Because of that anointing. Amen. 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 So he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So I, I want you to understand something. So because he was anointed, he is the one who anoints. Mm -hmm. 
Look at look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1. And uh, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 1. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 1. That's right. Look what he says in, in 1 uh, 21. It says, <clears throat> Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. <laughs> he which establishes he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. God has anointed us. Who also, in verse number 22, hath sealed us, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So because of this anointing, God has sealed us. And given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. This is interesting, isn't it? He anointed us and He sealed us. My, my, my. What a, what a, to me, it's like, look at the potential and look at the opportunity God has given us as a result of us being born again. Amen. Being born again of the water and of the Spirit. Washing and anointing. Being filled with the Holy Ghost. Washing and anointing. He anointed us. He sealed us. And given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Let me tell you something, saints. Your experience, your salvation, you haven't experienced the full extent of it. You've only, re you've only received a portion of it. Huh? Why do we know that? Because he said he's given us the earnest of the Spirit. What does that mean? The earnest of the Spirit. Well, earnest means this. It's a down payment. It's a payment that God gives us. So every time we come together, guess what God does? God gives us a down payment of His Spirit. He gives us a down payment of the Kingdom of Heaven. So because of that anointing, we receive that down payment. We receive that experience. That's what we feel when we come together in this place. That's what's moving It's a, it's, a, it's a fearful thing. <laughs> it's a fearful thing. Guess what? Well, there's so much potential here. Let me tell you something. You haven't really given God an opportunity to really work in your life. Because mm -hmm. if you did, woo! Mm -hmm. Your ministry, 
Your witness, your testimony. Let me tell you something. I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but there's no such thing as carnal Christians. There are such, as, as, as the New Testament says, spirit-filled, being filled, huh? anointed. That's what makes us saints. Because if you look at that word, saints means sanctified. It's a person who's sanctified. So if we're saints, we're sanctified. How are we sanctified? By the Spirit of God. By the blood of Jesus. We're sanctified. So we become saints. But let me tell you something. That's what our experience should be. That's what our life should consist of. Because He called us out of the world. He called us to live for Him. To walk in newness of life. So what does that mean? We're not supposed to go back to what we used to be or who we used to be. Right. We're supposed to walk in that anointing. Right. We're supposed to be spirit filled. Yeah. So that we can walk in newness of life. Yeah. 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 Let me remind you what we started off with. He said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But we have to be careful because if we're, if we're not diligent, I found this out. You can't be half-hearted. Right. You can't be slack. No. You can't be comfortable. Right. You can't allow yourself to get into that state of mind and say, oh, I'm just going to, you know what, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm just going to take it easy. Right. You're going to find out, as soon as you say that, well, the devil's going to come no. in. He's just going to. And, and we're so comfortable living in, in the carnal nature. Mm-hmm. We like fleshly things. We like mm-hmm. carnal things. And we just, oh, we like that. And we, we tend to forget about our, praise God, the spiritual mm-hmm. part of our life. That's why it's important for us, as Jude said, building up our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So when we build up our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, guess what's going to happen? We're going to have that anointing that God, amen, has given to us. So that we can live in it. So Paul said this in Ephesians 4.30. And uh, he said, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby... Ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. How do we do that? If we if we fall back. Right. Did you know this salvation that you and I have experienced? Did you know that the Bible says when the prophets prophesied about it, they were wondering about this time that the, it was going to take place, the dispensation that it was going to take they were wondering, And the Bible says, even the angels desired to look into it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here are the prophets prophesying about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They said, what in the world? Wow. What, when is this going to be? Can you imagine? Lord, when is this going to be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this great salvation... Mm-hmm. Being filled, being anointed, mm-hmm. 
So you think about that. You think about that. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. And the ultimate, the ultimate uh, experience that you and I can have and what he said was that Christ can, Christ can be in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. My, my, my. One more scripture verse and we'll be done here. Uh, Acts 11.26. <clears throat> this is interesting. And when he had found him, he's talking about Paul. Silas went looking for Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. He took Paul to Antioch. And it came to pass that a while that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. So they went to Antioch and the whole year they assembled themselves to the, with the church and they taught much people. Man, there was a lot of discipling going on. They were making disciples of the Lord, teaching them, teaching them. So as a result of this teaching, the Bible says, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. First time anybody was called a Christian. So why do you think it was? Why do you think they were called Christians? It wasn't because it was just a mere association with saying, hey, I believe Jesus. I know who he is. It's not that. They were called Christians. Why? Because obviously they had that anointing. Mm -hmm. They were walking in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. They were filled with the Spirit. So they were called Christians right. first in Antioch. Mm -hmm. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Hallelujah. that anointing. We'll stop there for, for now. We'll take our break and then come back in at 12.30 for prayer. Thank you very much. I hope you learned something. <clears throat>